Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Welcome to Come to Your Senses, the School of Sensual Living podcast. I'm your host, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through pleasure, mindfulness, embodiment, femininity, beauty, art, and of course, everyday sensuality. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So I am so thrilled to be bringing you the topic du jour. I recently taught a class in my membership called Falling in Love with Food, and it was a fantastic class, and many members reported it was their favorite class, and I thought it would be so fun to share with you a little amuse-bouche from that class in how to be more artful in your practice of eating well. And so when it comes to that phrase, eating well, there are a lot of opinions about what that means and what it looks like. There are as many people who would flout a strictly gourmet lifestyle as there are people who would flout a raw lifestyle and everything in between. How I experience eating well is a little bit less about the what of what I'm eating and a lot more on the how. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to use some really simple tools and philosophies when it comes to food and cooking and nourishing yourself with food that helps seduce you into a relationship with these things that feels individualized, creative, nourishing, pleasure-filled. And so on that topic of relationship, in the book Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, which is a must-read, just truly one of my favorite books of all time. She talks about the necessity of transformational relationships as opposed to transactional relationships. And this goes for our relationships to one another, both people we know and that we don't know, our relationship to the systems that we live inside of, 
our relationship to the planet and all that dwells in between those. And it got me really thinking about the way that I can have a really transactional experience with something like a piece of chocolate or a piece of cheese. And how similarly, when I slow down and embody my senses and respect and revere the artistry that is penetrating my body in the form of chocolate or cheese, it creates an experience of transformation where my faith in God is restored. (laughs) That food really has that power. And if you're like me, you have a lot of information at your fingertips as to how to advance this relationship in your life. You could meal plan. You could practice mindful eating. You could buy more cookbooks. You could follow more cooking accounts on social media. You could take a cooking class. All these different things that you can do. And something I talk about in almost every episode of this podcast is the duality of the work harder method, which is basically a recipe of, I have a need or a desire. Here are the things I could do or should do. Adding those things to your to-do list in a burst of inspiration. And if you're like me, buying a cookbook, dog-earing the pages, and never making a single recipe or planning your meals for the week, going to the grocery store, starting to cook, and then getting exhausted. So the work harder method works in a lot of different settings and scenarios. But if you find that it leads you to an experience of burnout down the path, down the track, what I would offer you is inviting in a different kind of energy which is the energy of seduction. The work harder method requires a lot of your energy to remain propelled. The seduction method is an energy of beckoning. It is an energy of being guided and being led by your curiosity and your desire. And so what I'm going to share with you in these four gems that I have to offer that are both insight and wisdom, as well as practical tools and steps that you can implement to help restore an experience of right relationship with this aspect of your life, and hopefully bring you some pleasure and creativity and nourishment and transformation along the way. So the first gem is to surround yourself with people love food. I remember going to over to people's houses and I'm, I'm thinking about this one couple in particular. Shout out to Caroline and Delia if you're listening. <laughs> and every time I go over to their house for a party or a gathering, there's shrimp toast and there's fine wine and there's all these different cheeses and everything is displayed so beautifully. And you can tell that these are people who love food. And when I talk about right relationship, one of the things I mean by that is these are people who love not just the experience of eating, but the experience of choosing, the 
the experience of shopping, the experience of preparing, the enjoyment of offering this deliciousness to their community. There is a ease in this relationship in their life in every single phase of the seduction of a meal. And so right now we are kind of at the peak of a second quarantine, a second wave of, of lockdown. And so surrounding yourself with new community members might not be available to you right now. But one thing that you can do is to surround yourself with people in the things that you read and in the media that you consume and in the television that you watch. And that brings me to my second gem, focusing a little bit less on the what and a little bit more on the why and the how. I'll give you an example. So in the past, every time I would try to learn how to cook better or improve this relationship, and let it be said that for the majority of my life, I've eaten kind of in the fashion of a college student, you know, where I, who, who is, whose cafeteria is closed for the winter season. You know, I would wake up in the morning and just get maybe a scone. Like I wouldn't be very hungry. So I just get a scone out somewhere and then it would be like two or three o'clock. Oh, I haven't eaten. Let me slam a yogurt from the fridge and eat a few chips and, you know, then dinner time would come around and I'd be starving and, oh, I'm, I'm too hungry to cook. Let me just order some takeout. And this was one area where my sensuality just simply couldn't reach. And I, I was so frustrated by it. And in the last year, because of quarantine and because of the increase of time and also the increase of intimacy with my own home and with my own self, this relationship has completely transformed. And one of the things that's shifted is that when I purchase a cookbook, for example, I used to buy cookbooks based on what kind of food it was, you know, so the keto cookbook or the paleo cookbook or the 101 vegetarian dishes cookbook. So the what of the cookbook. I would also put a lot of emphasis on hurry it up. So give me something that's five ingredients or less, takes me 20 minutes to prepare. That's what I need. That's what I want. And I had no idea how I was depriving myself of the joy of cooking and approaching it that way. And what I do now is I focus not so much what is being cooked, but how is it being approached? So for example, one of my favorite books around cooking is this book called Limoncello and Linen Water. And it's a book by an author who moved to Tuscany when she married an Italian gentleman and was taken into this Tuscan family and learned the art of cooking and homemaking from her mother-in-law and her grandmother-in-law and steeped in all of this matrilineal wisdom around the art of homemaking and created this book as a tribute. It's full color. It's got thick pages. It's got romantic recipes. It is the bomb. And if you go to School of Sensual Living, dot com slash book, you'll find a link that takes you straight to it. Another great example is the book Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver, which is a memoir about a year long experiment where she and her family ate only from their own garden, 
with the exception of meats that would come from farms around theirs, and didn't shop at commercial grocery stores for an entire year as an experiment. Right now, I'm reading a book called Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel, which is a memoir by the editor of Gourmet, a woman who was the editor of Gourmet magazine for a long time. And so in some ways, this experiment of focusing less on the what and more on the how is an exercise in humility of saying, this is what I think I need when it comes to my relationship with food. I need more time. I need more simplicity. I need a certain type of recipe. But when I look to the people who really love food and have a beautiful, romantic, transformational relationship with food, the way that they operate is much, much different. And so surrounding yourself with them through books and through media and through shows like Jacques Pepin and Julia Child battling it out over how to make the perfect roast chicken, if you've never seen their series together, it's a real hoot, simply by being in proximity to these stories and these experiences, it will dramatically shift your thinking around the romance of cooking and eating well. The next gem is the gem of simplicity. So a lot of times eating well seems like it has to be very complicated and fancy. And one of my favorite books about a simplified joyous relationship with food is called An Everlasting Meal by Tamar Adler. And so I want to share a quote from that book with you, which says, cooking is both simpler and more necessary than we imagine. It has, in recent years, come to seem a complication to juggle against other complications instead of what it can be, a clear path through them. She goes on to talk about how this fast and easy age of cooking seems to make cooking more simplified, but in fact can complicate it instead. And it draws to mind this wonderful quote by Audre Lorde from her article, Uses of the Erotic, the Erotic as Power. I'm going to share that quote with you now. We have oftentimes turned away from the exploration and consideration of the erotic as a source of power and information, confusing it with its opposite, the pornographic. But pornography is a direct denial of the power of the erotic, for it represents the suppression of true feeling. Pornography emphasizes sensation without feeling. And I share that with you because I think it so beautifully and articulately describes the relationship that so many of us have with food. You know, if we go back to that story about the transactional versus the transformational when it comes to a piece of chocolate, how many times maybe you have eaten a certain type of food that you can't really even taste and where it feels almost like watching pornography, where there's plenty of sensation, but no actual feeling. And if you resonate with that, what I really invite you to do is similar to what Tamar suggests in her book, is start with the very basics and romance yourself there, putting feeling 
first. So in an everlasting meal, she taught, there's a whole chapter dedicated to eggs and not masterful egg souffles, but literally eggs on toast with some roasted vegetables and maybe some ricotta cheese. It talks about things like all the different ways that you can make a meal out of a really well-made piece of bread that you get from the farmer's market. And this was a real revelation to me when I realized that my pursuit of quick and easy cooking had actually robbed me of the feeling and the intimacy with my ingredients and with the experience itself. And so if the idea of eating well overwhelms you, starting with the simple seduction of the very basics and building from there. The fourth gem is to embrace the totality of the seduction of food. So I just moved into my first home. I purchased my first home. And when I put my stuff in storage about a year ago, I had no idea where I was going to end up. And I just kind of put all my stuff in a box. And then I had this real evolution over the last year with food. And I got here and I was unpacking my boxes. And I was like, God, no wonder I hate cooking. You know, my tools and my pots and pans and all these types of things, there was just absolutely no seduction. It was completely transactional. And so something that I like to do to continue the seduction with food, because just like any relationship, the romance must be nurtured, is to treat myself to simple luxuries. And the simplest luxury that I can think of is a Saturday morning trip to the farmer's market to buy as much fresh produce and handmade cheeses and support these local artisans to the maximum amount that my dollar can stretch. Additionally, some simple luxuries that help keep me coming back to the kitchen are things like glass storage containers. Every time I go to the supermarket, I try to squeak one five or seven dollar glass storage container into my cart to build my collection. There is just something so luxurious about opening up my cabinet and not seeing a pile of disorganized Tupperware, but instead seeing these big brawny glass containers. I seduce myself into the kitchen by having sharp, sexy knives. And so one of my favorite simple luxuries is just a knife sharpener. It's not fancy. It's basically just a steel stick that I swipe my knives across each time I go to cook and the slide of the knife through an onion. Mm, What a reward. I'm slowly beginning to build my collection of Things like fine sea salts and spices. And sometimes on the weekends, I'll take myself on an outing to a gourmet shop to investigate all these ingredients that I have no idea what they do or how to use them, but it strikes wonderful conversation with the shop owner. And then lastly, I'd love to close this episode with a bit of a provocative poem that I once wrote back in my days as Kitty Cavalier. And I'm a little bashful to read it to you because um, 
I was more provocative in those days than I am today, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And this poem is called Sex with a Salmon. Tonight, I had sex with a salmon. I let it tease me and seduce me all the way to the center of my guts. I am talking about my dinner, of course. I owe it to this salmon to allow the oxygen to fill my mouth, making this a glorious threesome of the elements. To feel the reciprocity between my taste buds arching forward and the salmon diving headfirst towards my tongue, offering me ecstasy here in the flesh, even in its death. When I made my first communion, I went to church for ten days in a row just to feel the unity of my budding senses meeting my roaring spirit over and over and over again. I give myself to the penetration of this flavor as deeply as it gives itself to me, and in doing so, I am reminded of why we call it saying grace. So as I take out my feather fan and I cool myself after reading that poem, that brings this episode to a close. If you enjoyed it, I would love to hear from you. Head over to schoolofsensualliving.com slash review. And one last thing is that I shared quite a few books and resources on the podcast today. So if you head to schoolofsensualliving.com forward slash book, you will find a full list of all of the books and items and resources that were shared on the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. For coaching classes and community in the art of sensual living, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video course in how to shed anxiety and embody your most confident self through the secrets of feminine body language. Head over to schoolofsensualliving.com confidence for immediate access today.